Alright, so last week I decided I was going to kind of sit back, look at kind of the two decades I look at in my lifetime as the ones I lean towards being favorable, memorable, and just, I don't know if it's because I was just younger, but they're the decades that I enjoyed the most. Not to say now sucks, it's just... um. How do I put it kindly? No, <laughs> um, there's just there's less going on on a frequent basis that's kind of mind blowing and what I feel altering to popular culture. But I honestly don't have my finger on the pulse anymore, so I can only truly speak out against the 80s and the 90s. So in my uh, endless time here <laughs> to think this through. Um, I believe last week, the way I wanted to put it, I was going to compare the 80s and the 90s in a whole bunch of um, different criteria. So I started with music. I went over 80s music and the ones that kind of jumped out at me or had fond memories of them. And so um, I touched on, I think, like even the first cassettes I bought, how um, the beginning of the decade was kind of pop driven and there was synth pop in there. It worked its way into hard rock, heavy metal, rap started becoming a thing. And at the end of the decade, we had alternative and grunge kind of move their way in. So now I'm going to talk about the 90s, my feelings on what I remember of the 90s, what stands out 30 years later. <laughs> God, 30 years. Um, it's still memorable, re-listenable, and kind of decade-defining to me in my little world. And then... I'm still trying to decide. I think next week I'll go on to 80s TV and then I'll do 90s TV and then I'll hit movies. And then we'll just kind of overview which was the, I don't know if I want to say winner, but which is more memorable and holds a better place in my memories for just what I felt like was a really creative and entertaining, I guess, is decade for overall. So... With the 90s, like I said, at the beginning of the 80s, um, metal was definitely becoming a thing, and I believe Nirvana's first album was even late 80s, and so even bands like I had said earlier, R.E.M., Ministry, Nine Inch Nails, um, Pixie, Sonic Youth, they kind of had already started in the late 80s, and so when you look back at the 90s, you have to talk about what's considered alternative, um, which also blankets just alternative rock, alternative metal, and then what created the grunge movement. And so when you think of alternative rock, that would be when I was in university or right at the end of my high school. And so I just kind of went and grabbed a bunch of bands and I got this whole list of the 90s and the ones that jump out at me under like the alternative um, labels like Hootie and the Blowfish, uh, Weezer, who I always enjoyed, um, Wallflowers, R.E.M., Red Hot Chili Peppers, Soul Asylum, Spin Doctors, Counting Crows, and then a couple others like Smashing Pumpkins. I wasn't the hugest fan, but they were huge. Um, Blind Melon, STP, so like Stone Temple Pilots were pretty heavy, but like, I don't know, I feel like everything got thrown under this alternative rock umbrella even if it was just rock and roll it was just the 90s version of it and then garbage is in there they were pretty 
various and things they did. And then last one I listed under here, who's my personal favorite for under that alternative umbrella is Faith No More. Um, the real thing was in the 80s. Um, and they had a few albums with Chuck Mosley before that. But then when Mike Patton came on board, I feel Faith No More is one of the best acts of the 90s for just rock, alternative rock, whatever you want to call it. And they did everything. Um, once Angel Dust came out, which is probably their first or second best album, um, it just it changed. You got Mike Patton in there um, and you kind of changed the lineup a little bit and then every time you listen to an album of theirs for their last three of the 90s um king for a day and uh album of the year also every song is different everything is them experimenting or saying hey let's do like um i can't even like even when you think back with epic that's like rap hip-hoppy kind of stuff it sounded a lot like chili peppers which is their own feud that came out of that um but yeah they just do like a cover of like easy on a sunday morning or just anything you can think of and they just they throw it in there they have country songs and just very loud guttural songs that barely reason to be music and it's just a man with a tremendous voice doing everything he can with it and the band was willing to go in whatever direction it went to be creative and um i really enjoy them um so yeah they'd be the big one for me for like the alternative genre and i think even it was a krang magazine in 2006 even said that faith no more's angel dust was the most um what's the word for it it kind of they could see seeds from it kind of coming down into what was the next genre of music after it and so that's pretty impressive when you think of stuff from like the 80s and the 90s to say that faith no more kind of had the biggest impact on what was at the time the 2000s music scene um another category that's kind of another it seems to be way more just niche little like now there's 37,000 kinds of metal, right? And I think this is when old music types seem to really fracture into very specific genres. And so then on this list, I found it had alternative metal. And so it's like metal was just becoming super, super popular. And now you had bands like Tool or Helmet, and they were considered alternative metal. And then also spinning out of this alternative rock movement when I was younger and it was the early 90s was grunge and for me grunge was that west coast seattle kind of movement and so you had bands like pearl jam soundgarden nirvana allison chains um stuff like that and that was a very short-lived movement i think by the time 1994 rolled around kirk cobain had already killed himself and for those of you who weren't around or don't remember, Pearl Jam had sued Ticketmaster over how they handle and kind of had a monopoly over the entire, like, just tour scene, right? Like, if you wanted to tour and sell tickets, you had to use Ticketmaster. And I think they kind of fell out of the limelight. Not to say that they're, they disappeared, but they were huge. And just all those grunge bands in general were huge. 
and everything kind of lost its steam in the mid 90s um and then a new wave called post grunge happened which to me is just more standard rock and roll like dave Grohl went and found the foo fighters and you have those other bands like our lady peace nickelback kind of fit in there um if you still watch much music there was a little niche um show that still had the people that hadn't quite made it to the huge stage yet and you see it still had what was considered like indie rock so not the big big labels but there was still great music to be found in there throughout the entire 80s like you could watch much music or i'm not sure if mtv was this way yet either but there was just a constant stream of great music and great new music coming constantly and the nice thing about um the crtc who oversaw canadian music at the time it was something like 20 or 40 percent 40 seems high so i think it was something like 20 percent of music that they played in music videos had to be canadian so you got a lot of homegrown bands that never would have had a chance and at least up here we got to see them and maybe that's what like launched them into way more success later on um <clears throat> other things that kind of picked up in the 90s ska became a thing again that was kind of mainstayed by the Mighty Mighty Bostones and, of course, No Doubt, who were tremendously ska, at least for Tragic Kingdom and maybe another album after that, before Gwen became a household name. Um, and then we went back and Punk kind of had a <clears throat> little resurgence. Um, both The Offspring and Green Day became huge, huge bands in the early 90s. Um, you could hear them being played in any college dorm at any time um i remember watching much music actually when they and that kind of more indie off to the side um show they used to have when they debuted um come out and play and i just remember watching it and i think i went and bought smash their album like the next day at the cd shop and so that was a super memorable one and just so the punk movement the grunge movement and then just your hair bands were dying off so like warrant extreme slaughter skid row motley Crue, def leppard and even van halen was winding down for their popularity just that very what's the word for it just that kind of the glam hair metal was dying off and just that formula wasn't working anymore and so as that was getting pushed to the side maybe I don't want to say alternative music was uglier but it just wasn't as polished and maybe that's what was the appeal in the 90s um the other big thing at least where I'm sitting from is after I was introduced to Metallica in the late 80s um heavy metal started to soar you had Megadeth's Countdown to Extinction. I believe that was 90 or 91. And then Metallica's Black Album came out. And that just pretty much blew the doors off. Heavy Metal being this thing that your weird cousin listened to while he was kind of in the basement, right? And so Heavy Metal became a huge staple. It got The videos got playtime. Um, the videos weren't these bubblegum rock videos anymore. Like when you... Like go back and watch Metallica's video for one that pretty much traumatized people they took a very um, scarring war movie about a guy who got blown up and lost legs arms face like everything and just the song kind of goes into the thoughts of what you would have if you were just almost like a living brain and so 
metal took this huge leap, especially, and you have to attribute it to the Black Album, and at least that time, Bob Rock came on and just made Metallica this machine. Like, they were already huge, and I think Master of Puppets and Ride the Lightning are better albums, but they just weren't marketed and polished in this way. And so you could argue that the Black Album isn't, like, heavy, heavy metal, but it balances that line where there's some really good metal stuff in there, and then there's some radio-friendly stuff that kind of slides under that line of being metal, right? And so that led the way for bands that were kind of also flying under the radar to kind of get in under this light that Metallica had created on metal. And so the other bands of that genre, like Anthrax Slayer, and then later Pantera um, Testament was in that group. And then later in the decade, you would have Nine Inch Nails, Marilyn Manson, White Zombie, and even Ministry to a point. They would either be alternative metal or heavy metal. But metal flourished for a long time and probably didn't die off until that weird late 90s early 2000s rap metal kind of took over and in retrospect none of it was great (laughs) it was just the trend at the time but the early to mid 90s heavy metal boom was fantastic um they got more money thrown at them so there was more Um, production quality going into some of this stuff and you could tell and so especially for the big two like Metallica Megadeth that stuff sounded amazing Um, they were brilliant writers Um, I've seen both of them live multiple times and it's just their music is iconic of the 90s Um, also then there were so many just I I don't want to say good because I didn't listen to all of it but I feel like a good half dozen to ten different, if not more, genres all shared this spotlight. Probably a dozen, because things I'm also haven't even talked about yet would be like the pop scene and just kind of the middle of the road, just the pop music that just kind of kept going on and was just fun, light music, right? And it kind of got taken over almost by this wave of really talented female singers. So you had your Mariah Carey's, your Alanis Morissette's, Tori Amos, Jewel, Lisa Loeb, um, one of my favorites, Sheryl Crow, um, out of that batch. They just came out and made really good music that was almost like the music you'd hear now while maybe shopping, right? Like it's just non-harmful, non-whatever, but just quality pop music and just some really good artists that stood the test of time that came out of the 90s. Um, One of the I guess we can get into the stuff for a bit here. Um, Boy bands. Um, Not a fan, but the 90s kind of learned how to um, just engineer these perfect kind of compilations or groups they would just put together. I think Spice Girls was a competition. And so you had the boy bands to start. And so I'm assuming these guys didn't know each other before, but you had your backstreet, your insincs, your 98 degrees. And that's about as far as I'm going to go into that. It just, it just seemed they found the formula that worked. Um, young impressionable um, people would latch on to their favorite boy band, girl band, and just kind of, and then the industry would kind of just squeeze everything they could out of that group. And then, especially with tabloids, and then later on with MTV and all these other 
mediums and the internet, you just kind of were able to get this insight into these favorite singers of your like no other way before. Unlike when I was a kid, I think mom had to buy like National Enquirer like once a week or once. I have no idea what it was, probably once a week and just to get the dirt. And now you had these this constant stream of um, industry made um, super groups and you just kept changing who was getting the radio play and who everyone's favorite was and who the girls were screaming to storm the stage for. <laughs> and um, from that, of course, we'll move into the girl power movement of the 90s. So you had the Spice Girls, Destiny Ch- Destiny's Child, All Saints, um, and even to just very polished performers like your Britney Spears. Um, there was a big wave of music with that too that kind of there was the boy bands the girl bands I remember girl power was a huge thing and just all these really really polished and I don't know if this is when autotune became more and more of a thing where and of course now you're at the peak of looks mattering almost as much if not more than what your music meant like in the 80s with videos starting you had some ugly bands you absolutely had some ugly bands um you can't tell me rick astley was an attractive man but he could sing right or any of that just go look at some 80s videos there's some ugly individuals singing and that almost but except for maybe the metal and alternative grungy side of it everything was so polished and pretty before the music quality you could pump out a generic song for the radio and if you're a big enough record label you could force radio stations you have to play this if you're going to get our established music i'm assuming that's what they did and so now you have this wave of like your britney spears you're flashing this beautiful young woman in front and whatever it's a generic song in the background i think one of her songs at least to me throughout her entire history now I would look back and be like, okay, that's still catchy and can still get stuck in your head. Other than that, it's just a lot of the the boy band and industry made projects. It just, it goes away and just is um, not memorable. Unlike some of the other stuff from this decade. Um, Hip hop and rap kept growing its steam. Like I said, at the beginning of the eighties, you had your your Beastie Boys, your Run DMCs, which led into your NWAs, Public Enemies, LL Cool J's, he's still around. I think Mama Said Knock You Out was early 90s. Um, but then the 90s just took that the rap genre and cranked it up and strapped some rockets to it and made it huge. And it just became, like, it's probably the main source of music money now is just hip-hop, rap, and that whole kind of genre and then so in the 90s of course it grew into you had your salt and peppers peppa sorry um master p missy elliott um house of pain for us white white kids um and then you had like notorious big ice cube puff daddy fuji's boys to men could maybe fit under boy bands but i don't feel they were as polished and made up as the other boy bands LL Cool J was still around, Wu-Tang still a thing, and then, yeah, like Dr. Dre still around, Snoop Dogg still around, um, you had your kind of more one-hit wonders or kind of, I don't want to say flash in the pan, but not as long-standing ones like your Coolio's, Skilo, Arrested Development, Digital Underground, um, and then even into Tupac and Will Smith, 
uh, Sir Mix-a-Lot, and then the Beastie Boys continued straight through. Um, they kind of switched gears and did some rap and then some instrumental stuff too. Like if you remember Sabotage, um, that was a completely different thing. And then I think by 1999, 2000, you had worked your way into Eminem. So rap was solidified and just the hip hop genre as a whole became a huge juggernaut based on everyone I just named. Um, not my thing, but I can recognize how many of these songs just by if a car is going by and it's playing. So and I can appreciate it even if it's stuff I don't even listen to all the time. And I can't even like harp on it or say it's bad in any way because right now what's on repeat for me personally when I'm kind of bumbling around is just I have a Beastie Boys rotation going. Even when I go for a run, it's a lot of Beastie Boys and some of the earlier kind of upbeat hip-hop rap stuff to kind of keep me trudging along because I found you can't really jog to heavy metal <laughs> or else you get tired too fast um where else was I oh yeah and then of course just when I was putting stuff down off the top of my head another big one from at least the early to mid 90s for me when I was young and going out to the clubs way more often was your electronic and dance music and so once again, if you're Canadian like me, Much Music had two CD franchises. There was Big Shiny Tunes, that was their rock alternative kind of showcase. And they had Dance Mix, insert year here. I think it started Dance Mix 92, 93, something like that. So dance music, electric hip-hop, not hip-hop, electric dance music, kind of your nightclub shit that people would get drunk high and just dance around like retards all night long. Ooh, bad word. Um, <laughs> and so that's where, and being a basketball guy, this was what I called warm-up music because you would play this high-energy nightclub dancey music to kind of get your blood flowing, get you running around, get you just warm for whatever sport you're about to play. Me being a basketball guy, that's kind of... You'd have probably this stuff cranked up, mixed in with rap to get you going for whatever you were about to play. And this would be like Snap, EMF, um, D-Light, Ace of Bass, Robin, Hathaway. Um, CNC Music Factory was huge. I can't remember. They would have been early, early 80s. And then later on, you got your Venga Boys, your Aqua, um, Culture Beat, Rednecks, <laughs> 2 Unlimited, um, why did I list Vanga Boys twice? Bad. And then even Right Said Fred, stuff like that. It was fun, it was campy, it was upbeat, and it was just like fiery up music, right? And so you had your dance mix generation, right? And so it's weird because you had so many things that were so different, but they were all mashed together in the 90s to make this kind of really unique and beautiful blend for whatever mood you're in whatever you were doing it's just we finally hit this sweet spot where we have a song for that and it covered everything and the gears kind of shifted a few times in the early 90s with grunge going away and then in the late 90s when that metal rap came in and things kind of shifted gears again into like now you were getting the kids that were listening to all the stuff I just named were becoming things and 
like let's use skate punk as an example um now you have your blink 182s and they came from listening to the predecessors that i was raised on and so i think the only other stuff like i made a few other notes like british music still had its impact um you had blur the verve oasis um and then i'll even give them their time country music garth brooks dixie chicks stuff like that even came in and so the 90s to me at least it's close um but i still give the 90s as in my lifetime the best decade of music period um just go through all these bands that i named all these genres that i've listed off you could find hours and hours of music to keep yourself entertained and just kind of it would it never gets shitty like there is bad music in there and to me there's bad genres in both of them that i have no desire to listen to but to me the 90s was this perfectly awesome blend of so many different genres and you could find a place to listen to any of them at any time and it wasn't like any of them were just atrocious the worst one on my end would probably be some of those boy bands there would be no point for them but other than that um i went through phases where i was out at the nightclubs dancing away to the dance music um playing basketball to the rap music or just hanging out and listening to either the rock or um metal music of the 90s it was it was a great time uh so i highly recommend seeking out what you can of the 90s find something that's kind of up your alley it was a beautiful decade for creativeness in general and so yeah that's my rambling about the 90s so for music to me 90s music is the best so starting next week so on the sunday i'm let's go with I want to do movies last. So we'll do TV next week. So I'm going to do some research on what was so great and so bad about 80s television. And I'll see you then.